What's up, everybody? Welcome back to First Down Rundown. I am your host, Hayden Vozar, and I have with me here Matt Vozar. He was on the last episode, too. If you guys don't know already, he's my brother. And yeah, we, we got a second episode today of season two. We're going to be going over probably not as big of a scope of sports as we did last time. We wrapped up MLB last time, and we also had a lot more NHL and NBA that than we thought we would have. But this week, we still have some NBA and NHL, but kind of our focus is still going to be NFL and college football, college football in particular, because the playoff this week, there's just so many implications for the playoff in particular. And so we'll probably go really in depth with that and kind of go over all the outcomes in terms of the higher seeds and, and where they might end up. So, yeah. And then we also have a fun segment that I added this past week and it's, I'll, I'll have the explanation for you when it comes time, but that's going to be, we're going to have NFL college football, and then we're going to have the fun segment kind of as our post football talk. And then finally we're going to have NBA and NHL like we did last time. So just to kick it off here, we're going to get into the NFL segment. And our first topic is, kind of one that most of you guys probably didn't didn't expect. And that's one that Matt came up with actually. And he, he wrote out a, there's kind of like a, this kind of discrepancy between Kyle Shanahan and Cliff Kingsbury, the two K's. And we want to just discuss how do we get here? How's it going? And where do we go from here? And I, I'll just let Matt kind of talk about that first a little bit. Yeah, I mean, to begin with, I think, you know, it's every every podcast, every every media content that you're consuming right now is talking about how the Bills lost the Jaguars and, you know, and how the Titans beat the Rams. And so I kind of just wanted to do I mean, and, and, you know, by this point, you know, you've already had your opinions about it. So kind of just wanted to do some some more meta focus type of questions and, and kind of, you know, conversations that we can have um, that really delve into how the how the season's going so far, but out of, uh, you know, using a broader view. Um and so, yeah, and so this kind of, you know, crossed my mind because obviously the Cardinals uh, coached by Cliff Kingsbury and the 49ers coached by Kyle Shanahan, uh, they played this week. And the storyline here was that the Cardinals were without Kyler Murray, their star quarterback, who many, you know, regard as the leading candidate for the NFL MVP right now, as well as their, their um, best receiver uh, DeAndre Hopkins. And so, you know, it's like, okay, well, yeah, they don't have any other good players. 49ers are going to, are going to crush them because the 49ers are actually healthy this year. Unlike they have been in the past couple of years. Um, but that's not what happened at all. The Cardinals went into San Francisco. They crushed the 49ers without any other, you know, top players. Colt McCoy uh, led the Cardinals to a victory. So, yeah. So I think that was kind of the, the, the genesis for this idea is like, you know, Kyle Shanahan, has been thought of as, you know, this offensive genius, this wizard who is, you know, so much better than, you know, than everybody else at calling plays. And he's, you know, he's, he, he developed the run game so well in, in San Francisco to the point where, you know, any, anybody could play running back for San Francisco and they could have a hundred, you know, 200 yards a game. Um, but, uh, but, and, and he was also the offensive coordinator of the Falcons when they went to the Super Bowl and lost the Super Bowl to the, to the Patriots famously after blowing a 28 to three lead. So anyway, he got pretty much the 49ers head coaching job because of his performance as the offensive coordinator of the Falcons for all those years. And clearly it worked for a little bit for one year. And 
that was the year that they got to the Super Bowl, obviously, and lost to the Chiefs. Now, the 49ers were winning through three quarters of that game, and the Chiefs had their magical comeback, and they won the Super Bowl. And, you know, I do think they were the better team. But at the same time, the 49ers were pretty solid. I mean, they had a good defense. Robert Sala, who's now the coach, the head coach of the, of the New York Jets, you know, he was their defensive coordinator. He was really good. Um, and, and obviously Kyle Shanahan was calling the plays. And so because of that Super Bowl run, it was almost – you know, it, it, everybody's just giving a free, giving him a free pass at this point, um, despite the fact that his teams have not been doing well. So over the course of his tenure in San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan as a head coach is 32 and 40. That's his total record through the four years that he's been with the 49ers. Cliff Kingsbury, on the other hand, he was the he was the head coach at Texas Tech. Um, I think, uh, I guess five or six years ago at this point, he coached Patrick Mahomes. Now, a lot of people are saying, OK, well, you know. Kyle Shanahan got promoted to the, to the job at, at, you know, at the Cardinals because simply because he put, he coached Patrick Mahomes in college. And obviously Patrick Mahomes wasn't as developed as he was coming out of college as he is now, or, you know, when he, when he started for Andy Reid, but at the same time, you know, right. Everybody was kind of saying, okay, well, he only got the job because he coached Pat Mahomes. Um, he had a losing record. Kyle Shanahan or um, Cliff Kingsbury had a losing record throughout his tenure at Texas Tech. Um, and so, you know, many people were like, oh, well, he only got the job because he coached Pat Mahomes. He had a losing record at Texas Tech. And the Cardinals hadn't been that impressive so far. And a lot of what a lot of people thought was that there were going to be this great hope because a year after Shanahan, or uh, uh, sorry, keep calling him Shanahan, a year after Kingsbury got to Arizona, they drafted Kyler Murray, who was a very similar you know, arm talent, mobile quarterback, similar to Patrick Mahomes in that way. And they thought, well, this is, you know, the perfect, the perfect, uh, you know, the perfect combination here. And, you know, it didn't start that great. And then obviously, you know, as, we, as we've seen this, you know, this season so far, the number one team in the NFC. And so I guess the, the, the question here is like, why is Cliff Kingsbury not getting credit for having a 20 and 19 record so far with the Cardinals as he's been the head coach, which is, you know, it's a winning record. And obviously they've had a good year this year while Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan is 32 and 40 over his tenure with the 49ers. And despite that Super Bowl appearance, he's had a losing record by far in all the other um, you know seasons he's, he's, he's coached with them. So um, I, I just think that, you know, he deserves a little bit more scrutiny than he's getting um, a little bit more, you know, maybe on the hot seat that, you know, than he's, than he, in terms of like a, you know, a coaching contract and whatnot, than he may be getting right now. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so, so that was kind of, that was kind of the topic. I'll let, I'll let Hayden kind of share his thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was pretty interesting when Matt added this to the doc, because I didn't really think about it this way, but I mean, we all know that the head coach and the quarterback of a team are the two figures that people, at least from the outside, look at most in terms of wins and losses. Right. And I think that there's, a very there, there there's a very strong connection between both head coaches and their quarterback play and how that's factored into their record and i think that in cliff's cliff kingsbury's case he's had kyler murray like matt said for most of his career at arizona okay so last year they went 8 and 8 this year obviously they're 8 and 1 and so they're obviously going to go i mean they should go over 500 right but and in, in Cliff Kingsbury's first season, he was five, ten and one with the Cardinals. So he's he's only gotten better. And I think that that's a lot of that is due to Kyler Murray. And obviously they got DeAndre Hopkins as well when, you know, with Kyler Murray. And so that's really helped their team as well. And their dude, their their running back play this season has been insane. I know that we're not really just talking about it this season, but dude, James Conner, I, I think that people I think James Conner was the most underrated running back coming into this year. 
which for good reason, because obviously, I mean, nobody, Chase Edmonds was supposed to be the lead back really. And James Conner was just kind of like the power back. But I think James Conner has really come into more of a, more of a kind of versatile role. And now with Chase Edmonds being hurt, he got hurt in the beginning of last, in the, in the beginning of the game against the 49ers. Now with Chase Edmonds being hurt, I think James Conner is really stepping up. He had three touchdowns last game and he's not just a goal line back. Like we've seen him all season. He scored a, I think it was a 13 yard run touchdown. And then he had like a 45 yard screen pass for a touchdown that he took for a touchdown as well. So he's, he's super versatile. You know, he's not the, he's not the fastest guy when you watch him out there, but I mean, he, he gets the job done and he finds space and he can, he can cover that space as well as anybody else in the league in terms of a running back that's sufficient for their team. So I think that run between running back play and Kyler Murray being well earlier this season, he, he was making his case for the MVP now, not really so much, you know, through the middle of the season, but I think that both of those things combined have really just boosted Cliff Kingsbury's reputation as a coach. I don't, I don't know if, I mean, obviously he's, he's their head coach, so he has a factor in it, but I think it's more based on, I I think their success is more thanks to their players in that situation. I think Kyle Shanahan, on the other hand, he's really, I think he's really confused right now because they drafted Trey Lance and I don't know if they really know like what to do with Trey Lance. I think that with Jimmy Garoppolo, they want him to be good. He's always been mediocre and he's never really, I feel like he's never really fit into their offense. He's not, I mean, he's almost never had a healthy George Kittle for the whole season, which that's not his fault. But at the same time, I mean, he has Debo Samuel and this year they have Elijah Mitchell, a great running back. And so I think that, I think that quarterback play in San Francisco has been the biggest factor in them just not really being able to get over the hump, right? They're, I think, three and five by now. And yeah, I, th- I think that their quarterback play is, is more, it tells more about their record than anything else. And I think what they need to do is they need to decide. They need to say, okay, Jimmy Garoppolo, if you don't get, you know, maybe, and maybe this season is kind of his, his hot seat season. Maybe it is, okay, if you don't do well, then we're just going to throw Trey Lance in. But and nobody really knows that because they haven't voiced that, but I think that that's how it should be because Trey Lance is a really talented quarterback. And I think that his talent can't really go to waste. I know that Jimmy Garoppolo, in my opinion, I mean, he's not really a veteran. Like he's been in the league for, I guess, long enough to call him a veteran, but talent wise and, and the, the stuff that he puts out on the field is, is not really veteran material to me. And so I think that if you make the argument that, Oh, Trey Lance is going to, you know, he's sitting behind a veteran. I, I don't think that that's really true. I think Trey Lance could actually add more to their team. He started that one game earlier in the season, but it's one game. I mean, we haven't seen what he can do. I think he's a really talented quarterback, and I think they should, they should give him a chance. But, yeah, I basically just talked about the teams there. I didn't really talk about the head coaches, but that's mainly because, you know, in, in summation, that's mainly because I think that, their their coaching jobs are more dependent on quarterback play in Kyler Murray and Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think that the confusion in San Francisco has just really caused Kyle Shanahan to get a bad rap. And right. We haven't really heard that Kyle Shanahan's on the hot seat yet because I think it's because people know that it's not his fault and people know that what he can do with when, when his offense is clicking or when his, when I guess when his whole team is clicking, but 
people know that people know what he can do, you know, especially in the offense, offensive side of the ball, like he did in, in, in Atlanta and with that Super Bowl or that San Francisco Super Bowl team. I mean, it, yeah, I think Kyle Shanahan is a great coach and I don't really think that he should get any, any hate for what he's doing and what his record has been in San Francisco. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah so, well, I think, and I think, you know, you did a good job of outlining the players, but, but I think, kind of more of what I was getting at is the system, right? I mean, every coach has their system. They have their ways of doing things. And that's, I think, what Kyle Shanahan was praised for so much when the 49ers did have that great season where they got to the Super Bowl and almost won it. Sure, Jimmy Garoppolo was the quarterback. He did an okay job, but, it, you know, it wasn't necessarily him providing so much value to where, you know, that that's all that mattered. Um, he was labeled as a game manager quarterback. And I think he still is right. But the, the important thing was that the reason that they were there was that Kyle Shanahan's system quote unquote was yeah. superior. And, and that's kind of why they were able to be so good. And so we see now they have all their players, nobody's hurt. And the system, whatever, you know, people, people were labeling the system as is, is not really showing out. It's, it's not doing what it was supposed to do or doing what people thought, um, you know, like what it obviously would have proved to, to be, you know, a couple of years ago. And so maybe that was just a magical season and it's just mediocrity from here on out. But, but I think that the important thing and, and, and the reason that this game was so telling was because, it, it almost seemed like Cliff Kingsbury's system was better than Kyle Shanahan's. And it clearly, I think, is at this point. Because if you can go out without your star quarterback and your star receiver and still crush, you know, win that game, like, that proves that your system is better than, you know, than, than your opponents. And so, um, yeah, so I don't know, you know, like you said, I don't know if it's, you know, if, if you maybe lost some of the players or if it's just a, a weird cycle right now and maybe the Cardinals are just playing out of their minds and, um, you know, or, or something like that. But, but yeah, but I think that that's kind of the, the overall point here is like, if, if, if Kyle Shanahan was labeled as such a system coach before and his system isn't working and another coach who doesn't really get that much credit and has just been kind of dismissed up until now, his system is working, you know, there, there's, I think, you know, there's, there's reason to, to, to be questioning, uh, you know, the job that Kyle Shanahan is doing. Yeah. Cole McCoy really came out and, and, and showed out again in that game. I was pretty surprised by that because Cole McCoy is always one of those guys where like, he, you know, he had his, he had, he had his little gig in Washington. I think, I don't know if, I don't know if he was up in like the jet. I don't know. I don't even know. Like, back up to RG three, but it was, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. He, yeah, he's okay, but he's not, you know, he's, he's nothing to write home about. Right. So, yeah, he's, he really surprised me. And, again, without DeAndre Hopkins, you know, Christian Kirk really came up big in that game. So, that was exciting to see. And, um, yeah, so moving on to our second NFL topic, topic of the week, we kind of – last week we talked about Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs and how is it fair to kind of single out Patrick Mahomes in – a, you know, as, as a big reason as to why they're, why they're not really doing well. And this week we have another topic about NFL quarterbacks and in particular young quarterbacks, right? So we see nowadays a lot of young quarterbacks are trying to, pri or they're prioritizing big plays instead of check downs and short passes, you know, as old, like, I, I don't know, the, the, the one quarterback I think of when, when I think of check downs and short passes, is Tom Brady, and we all know that he's the goat. And so, there is reason to think, okay, well, short passes and checkdowns lead to very good things, right? And, I mean, one could argue that Tom Brady does have a lot of, you know, downfield plays, and he has a lot of big plays of his own. You know, they're not really flashy when he's rolling out of the pocket and everything like 
Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen do. But I mean, yeah, Tom Brady has has some flashy plays of, of his own. But I think that the young quarterbacks nowadays they do they do prioritize big plays, and it has kind of become a problem. You know, Josh Allen struggled a lot against the Jaguars this past week. Patrick Mahomes has struggled pretty much the whole season. Joe Burrow has struggled of late, and he kind of hasn't really been able to to find his groove with Jamar Chase, at least you know mid season. And so, yeah, even though Jamar Chase is probably still their number one receiver and will be for the rest of the season, they just kind of haven't really been clicking um, ever since, you know, the first the first few games of the season. And so I think that we are starting to see a, a bit of a larger problem with with these quarterbacks, but I, I don't think that it's too big. You know, I think Josh Allen, he's been ever since the or up until the Jaguars game, I think he was he was QB two in most fantasy leagues. I mean, he's been, he's been going crazy all season. He's definitely in the, in, in the MVP race. If you know, this one, this one game against the Jaguars defense, who nobody would expect it to come against his one bad game this season. If it's against the Jaguars, then so be it. But I think he's still in the MVP conversation. And I think that him, him trying to make big plays, I think he executes the most because of his size and because of his arm talent, and because basically I, just, I think just how he plays and how his I think his receivers are really in tune with how he plays as well. I think, I think his chemistry with his receivers is, I mean, maybe not more than Patrick Mahomes with his receivers, but I think Josh Allen's chemistry with his receivers is one of the top in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes, on the other hand, we kind of talked about this last, last episode and that, I mean, there's just been a disconnect all season and Patrick Mahomes, he's going to be Patrick Mahomes again. It's just that he hasn't really been so far this season, but we're going to see that again. And there's no doubt about it in my mind, at least. And then with Joe Burrow, I think I haven't really watched many Bengals games this season, except for on NFL red zone, when I'm just feasting my eyes with seven hours of commercial free football. But I think that Joe Burrow and the Bengals, they'll definitely come back later, later in the season, maybe even like, you know, this coming week, but I don't think that Joe Burrow is necessarily in trouble with his, you know, big playmaking ability or whatever. And I think that he as well has a very sneaky kind of athleticism. And I think that he, I think that his style of play matches that of Jamar Chase. Obviously they have chemistry from LSU and everything, but I think that his style of, his style of play really, um, really matches his receivers. I don't really know how to, how else to explain it. I guess that's the same thing as Josh Allen, but yeah, I mean, I think that, I think that the receivers on teams with young quarterbacks, they also feed off of that kind of energy. You know, like if it's, if you see the quarterback in the pocket all the time, it may get, you may get a little bit comfortable, but you also really don't build that chemistry where, you know, you know that the quarterback is rolling out and you know that he needs help. And so, you know, how to find space or, or something like that. You know, I think that, I think that in terms of like young quarterback play, it's, it's not very, it's, it's not much of a problem, but it does become a problem when maybe, you know, when maybe you're, you're down in games. And so like, they can't really control the game or being a manager of the game. Like we were talking about Jimmy Garoppolo, but yeah. 
Yeah, so I'm going to give you three quarterbacks here. I mean, obviously, you talked about Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and Joe Burrow. I'm going to give you three quarterbacks uh, who are, I get, you know, you could say of the older, uh, you know, version, um, but three who are probably going to the Hall of Fame. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and Ben Roethlisberger. The argument can be made for Ben Roethlisberger. Who knows? But regardless, when's the last time you saw one of those guys prioritize a deep pass or just throw it, you know, 50 yards down the field for no reason? Aaron Rodgers does it at halftime and miraculously a lot of them get caught and he does it when he gets a free play, free play. He'll draw the, he'll draw the defense offside. He'll just chuck it down the field because even if it gets intercepted, they still get the ball back. It's, it's all good. He'll look at, he'll, he'll, there will be a run play called. He'll look and give like an eye nod to, to Devonte Adams and he'll just chuck it to him right when he gets the ball. Um, you know, we saw we saw just this past Monday night, Ben Roethlisberger, he's, you know, Deontay Johnson had like 11 respect receptions for for like 40 yards. Right. And so it's, you know, two yards of reception, but they won the game. Right. And so you, you see all of this kind of and then obviously I mean, Tom Brady speaks for himself. But but I think that, you know, you, you see a lot of this veteran, these veteran quarterbacks who, who've been in the game for so long realize that you don't have to, you know, the big plays are fun but it's not necessarily always what wins you games. And so you, you know, and especially in the NFL, like the defenders are insane. They're amazing. They're there for a reason. And so, you know, why are you going to try to beat some guy who, you know, was a track star and, you know, probably runs a four two forty? like that's, there's no point, you know, I mean, sure. If you have Tiger kill last, sometimes that can happen. And we do see that sometimes. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I think that's kind of, that's kind of the overall point here is like, you know, it, it, it I don't want to see football become this, you know, who can throw the furthest and who can just get lucky enough for their receiver to come down with the ball. I think it should be more strategic. And you see that when it's, you know, take a, take four yards, take three yards, because at the end of the day, you know, when you're facing, you know, third and long, it's way harder to to complete a pass down the field than it is if it's third and two and you can, you know, you can either run or pass and stuff like that. And I think, and I think that, you know, I Hayden pointed it out, you know, when Josh Allen was facing the Jaguars this, this, uh, this past Sunday, he looked, lost it was you know he'd, he'd drop back he'd run around in the pocket he'd try to look downfield he'd try to throw it he'd you know he'd dive and s- scrape the ground and do all this crazy stuff and so it looks like he doesn't know what he's doing and it's like well no I think he's just trying to find Stefan Diggs way down the field and that's not necessarily what's going to happen um and and so what the Jaguars were doing is they were just sitting back and I think they game planned I mean clearly you know I mean you can say whatever you want about Urban Meyer but you know at least for this game they game plan against Josh Allen and it, and it worked. And so maybe, you know, maybe that's a blueprint game. And, you know, we start seeing that going forward. Some defenses are just going to drop their, drop their defensive backs, you know, further back and, and, you know, and see if, see if Josh Allen can kind of, you know, get, get into more of a short passing game style. But, uh, but yeah, I think that, I just thought that was kind of interesting. And, and I think that we're trying to, we're seeing that in a lot of younger quarterbacks these days. Um, but, uh, but yeah. And so, you know, again, we'll, we'll see going forward if, if that ends up working out and, and, you know, and, and obviously I think those are kind of the, the teams that are going to, you know, go far in the playoffs. Like, you know, like we said, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, obviously those teams are going to go far in the playoffs. Um, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, those, those teams are, you know, assumably going to go far in the playoffs. So, you know, you're kind of going to have this, this face off of older versus younger quarterbacks. And it'll just be interesting to see how it pans out. And, you know, and if, and if the game just does become this, you know, long ball win strategy, or if, you know, or if there's more strategy involved in terms of shorter passes and, and, and more successful drives. That's a good point. I think that Josh Allen is also he he worries me when he gets pressure because all he does is just back up in the pocket, and that's obviously something that 
is characteristic of a young quarterback, but I think he does it a little too much because he's just so strong that he can he can push defenders off. But once you start backing up in the pocket, then that causes you to throw off your back foot or that causes you to have to make up more ground and in some cases throw a longer ball. And so, I mean, Josh Don has the arm talent for it, but, and he makes, he makes it happen a lot, but I think that that's what we were seeing, you know, that interception with, well, that's interception of Josh Allen on Josh Allen in the Jaguars game. That that's just, that's the exact thing that happened. He got backed up. He was getting pressured. He kept on backpedaling. He held onto the ball too long. And then he kind of just like, let it go a little, you know, kind of just fluttered a, a little butterfly to back to the line of scrimmage. And then, Josh Allen on the Jaguars was able to pick it off. So that was pretty cool too. I did. That was, you know, that was the first time that a player has gotten an interception, a fumble recovery and a sack in one single game since like, I don't know. It was like over 20 years or something like that, but it's also Josh Allen on Josh Allen. And it was just, I don't know. It was just kind of funny, but yeah, so that's kind of the end of our NFL talk, unless Matt has anything else. Do you that's have anything good. else? You good? Yep. All right, sweet. Yeah, moving on to college football now, we've got, like I said, same kind of same thing that's going to be for the next couple of weeks, and that's college football playoff rankings. So, of course, as always, I'm going to go over them in case you guys aren't really familiar or if you just need a reminder. We've got at number one, we've got Georgia. Number two, we've got Alabama. So that's the same from last week. Now, number three, we have Oregon. Number four, we have Ohio State. Five, Cincinnati. Six, Michigan. Seven, Michigan State. Eight, Oklahoma. Nine, Notre Dame. And 10, Oklahoma State. So obviously, we now see that Michigan State dropped out of the top four. So that pushed Oregon and Ohio State up and Cincinnati, I guess, too, and Michigan. So they, those four teams all just bumped up, and then Michigan State fell below Michigan, which is really interesting in my opinion because, as we know, just two weeks ago they beat Michigan. And so now they're below Michigan, which is just it, – it's just kind of interesting in my opinion because I think that the, the college football playoff does value – head-to-head matchups, but it just kind of shows you how crazy this season has already been and how crazy just with two weeks of the college football rankings, the college football playoff rankings being out, how crazy it can get. And so obviously we have number three, Oregon. If Oregon wins out, I think I said this, I may have said this last episode, I don't know, but if Oregon wins out, they should stay at number three. There's no reason why they should not stay at number three. They've beaten Ohio State. So they should, they should stay above Ohio State. But then again, Ohio State is playing – they have, what, Purdue left and then Michigan, right? Michigan's their last, their last game of the season. I'm pretty Purdue, sure. Michigan State, and Michigan. I'll, I'll touch on this a little bit later too. Wait, they have – oh, okay. Wait, they have all three? Left? Yeah. Okay, yeah. All right. So, right. I, do you want to talk about Purdue, Matt? Because I also – that was like part of what I was going on talking about. I mean, I wasn't you – can, you can go ahead. Okay. All right. So, basically – I'm just going to kind of give it like a little short summary about Purdue. Basically, I think Purdue is 18 right now, 18 or 19 in the college football playoff rankings. They beat Iowa earlier in the season when Iowa was, num- when Iowa was number two. They just beat Michigan State, who was number three. Both They were unranked both times. And I think they're, what, six and three now in, uh, in, you know, in the season. 
And if they had their three losses came against Wisconsin, Notre Dame, and Minnesota. And Minnesota obviously is not, they haven't been the best this season. Wisconsin, possibly, arguably the best team in the Big Ten after their one and three start. Okay. They've been extremely good over the past five, six games. And they, I mean, yeah, they, they beat Purdue and Purdue lost to them, but that's, that's fine. Okay. Purdue's losses. They have, they, they've been against very good teams and they've also beaten very good teams. And it's just sad. I guess what I'm trying to say is that it's, it's just sad that the playoff, I know that Purdue would never get into the playoff with three losses and they never should, but it's just sad to see this kind of, this, this kind of team, you know, come with so much firepower this late in the season. And it's just kind of, it makes me sad because like we'd love to see a team like Purdue make it and Purdue's in the big 10. Right. And so they, if, if they were to go, if they were to be, you know, eight and one right now, they would, they would be in the running for sure. And it would be interesting to see where they rank among the other big 10 teams, you know, Michigan state, Michigan, Ohio state, it would be so interesting to see where they, where, where they would be at if they didn't have those, those three losses, but it's just because of those three losses that they, won't ever make it above really where they are right now. Now with a win over Ohio state next, this coming week, that could change so much. And I guess I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of going to gather my thoughts for that and let Matt talk here. Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, nobody cares how sad you are Hayden. I'm sorry to say, but that's just, <laughs> that's just the reality of the situation right here. Um, <laughs> you have to win your games if you're in college football. Um, and that's again, the, the, the playoff is four teams. And, and so, if you lose to if you lose to Minnesota, that sucks. You're not gonna you're not gonna make it. Um, no. So the only right the only chance for Purdue is if they beat Ohio State this week and they go on to win the Big Ten championship again. It, it could happen, but again, with three losses, I still don't think they'd even make it. I think because you'd have you're gonna have other other teams that are better with better records who haven't lost who will who will make it above them. So um, yeah, and and I'm the biggest proponent of the little guy, you know ever like UTSA. I love it. They're, they're going to finish the season undefeated. They're not going to get any credit for it. It's amazing. It's awesome. Here's the thing though. I we're in Cincinnati's at set five. They were at six last week. They moved up one because Michigan state lost. So they overtook Michigan state. Okay, cool. They're still on the top four. And the big story here is that Ohio state was, um, was five last week and they moved into four Cincinnati moved to five, you know, since he didn't Cincinnati didn't overtake Ohio state and people are mad. Why are people mad at that? At the fact that Cincinnati did not take overtake Ohio state. I get it. Ohio state won like an eight point game against Nebraska. Nebraska is not that good, but Cincinnati sh- honestly should have lost to Tulsa. They were on the doorstep of losing. So they had, it was like four stops from the goal line, you know, before, before Tulsa, you know, lost, ended up losing that game. And I think that, you know, now we have a common opponent between Ohio state and Cincinnati. Interestingly enough, Tulsa did hang with Ohio State through three quarters. I think Ohio State still ended up winning that game by like 20 because they pulled away in the fourth quarter. But still, it's like you think about the the comparison of how the the caliber of these teams and you see what ended up happening. Tulsa kept it close with Ohio State. Ohio State's the better team. They pull away. They win by 20. Tulsa is also better than Tulsa. And it goes down to the wire, a last second fumble on the goal line um, with a chance to win that game. And so you, you just see that it's like, why are people saying that Cincinnati should have t- overtaken Ohio State? I think they're completely, you know, the, the playoff committee is completely within their own right to to have to have ranked Ohio State over Cincinnati. Um, 
and again, as we as we talked about last week, there's gonna a, there's gonna be a lot more craziness. And Hayden mentioned, you know, Oregon winning out. I don't think Oregon's gonna win out. They're gonna have to win two games against Utah, and that never happens in the Pac-12 because, as we know, the Pac-12 beats up on each other, and it, it just never pans out that way. So, teams are gonna lose. Cincinnati will hopefully they'll get in. I, but I don't think so. And and so you know that's kind of where I wanted to get into this this next topic here of our worst nightmare for the, for this year's college football playoff, because we always say, Oh, it's just the best, the best teams get in that, you know, the, the teams that drive the most money with the biggest fan bases. And that this year would be Georgia, Alabama, Ohio state, and Oklahoma. And legitimately that could pretty much happen. I'll let Hayden talk a little bit and then I'll get into that later. Yeah. I mean, I think, well, I'm going to touch up a little bit on the, on the Georgia, Alabama, Ohio state, and Oklahoma situation, but I think that Ohio State deserves – so this is obviously assuming that Oregon loses, like Matt said, and so this will basically happen. It won't – I mean, there, there will be other things that need to happen, but this is basically just depending on the fact that Oregon loses. And so we would have Ohio State at three and then Oklahoma at four. I really don't want to see Oklahoma in the, in the, in the playoff. I, even if they're number four, they're going to play Georgia and they're going to lose. So – Basically, if they make it into the playoff, they're going to lose anyway. But, and I mean, let's be honest, like no other four, other four seed is going to be able to beat Georgia. Nobody's going to be able to beat Georgia, period. But I think that if the playoff committee has, if it comes down to them having to let in Oklahoma, who has just been so bad this season in terms of playing down to their competition and not knowing how to like start out games and start out strong and finish a game. Well, I mean, they can finish the game, but they can't just start out strong. That's their problem. And so if, if it comes down to that, I think a lot of people are going to be mad at the playoff committee, but I also think that they don't really have a choice. You know, if we see, if we see Ohio state win out, okay. Which would be extru- like crazy. Like, like we said, it's kind of the same thing with Oregon, dude. I think that Ohio state winning out is maybe just as unlikely as, as Oregon winning out. It's not. Let me spoiler alert. It's not. Okay, it's go. not. You you think you think so? Yes, dude. I, I think okay. it's. I think it's extremely possible, dude. Three games with two two that are two against teams that are in the top ten, and then one against a team that's that's knocked off a number two. Yes, I do. So, okay. because here's the thing. It, Ohio State is 20-point favorites against Purdue this weekend, all right? They're going to win Favorites don't matter. Okay, whatever. They're going to win that game. They're at home against Michigan State next week. And we saw, we saw, and I, and I mentioned on the podcast last week, Michigan State is just a little bit fraudulent. Their defense has just been, they're, they're not that great, and, and Ohio State's going to pass all over it. And the same with Michigan. Like, it just, it, it's, it's extremely, it, like, if you look at the numbers, Michigan's defense is terrible against the pass. Ohio State's offense is legit. And so, sure, they're going to be high-scoring games, but Ohio State's going to pull these games out, man. I'm telling you. And 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 a one-loss Ohio State team with wins over the t- two teams in the top ten in, in the last two games, um, th- they're guaranteed to make it. And and yeah. so, you know, and and they're going to play a team from the Big Ten West who is probably going to be Wisconsin at this point, but could be you know Iowa or Minnesota, someone who they'll, they'll probably easily beat um, in the Big Ten championship. They're going to make it in the playoff. Yeah, I mean. Yes, obviously they're going to make it into the playoff if they win out. I think that's – yeah, we've kind of established that. But I think 
Okay, so so this is what I'm getting from this. So basically, what you're saying is that the only the only way that we're going to get an Ohio State and oh no, Ohio State and Oklahoma three and four seed is basically if Oregon loses and Ohio State wins out. How how do how do you think Oklahoma is going to get in? Because they're nine and zero. They haven't lost. And, and again, it's it's at some point we have to prioritize the teams that win their games. It's t- and again, this that's that's what the argument is for Cincinnati. I get that, but here's the deal, bro. If Cincinnati and Ohio State played tomorrow, who do you take to win that game? You take Ohio State a hundred times out of a hundred. And so that's kind of that that's what this ends up being. And sure, you know, Ohio State had one loss. Well, their loss was to the number three team in the in the in the nation right now. They had the best loss of anyone in the entire country. And so that's kind of where we get into this, you know if you win your games, you'll be rewarded for it. And so, you know, Oklahoma, sure. They haven't really beaten anybody that great so far. And they haven't really beaten anybody convincingly so far, but here's the rest of Oklahoma's schedule. They play Baylor this week at Baylor. They play Iowa state at home after that. And they play at Oklahoma state. All right. So in the AP poll, Baylor is number 18. Iowa state is unranked. They started the season inside the top 10 and they have a really solid team. Brees Hall, their running back, Brock Purdy, their their quarterback, Oklahoma State is number 10, all right? So in the two of the last three weeks, Oklahoma is going to play two teams who are inside the top 20. And if they win all of those games and they're 12-0 and going into the Big 12 championship, there's no way that you can leave them out because they've proven that they've won these games and they've played the competition that was in front of them and they won the games. You can only play the teams. You can only win the games against teams that you play. And so your schedule is set up the way it is, and, and, and that's how it is. And so – I, I, I do think that that Oklahoma's being disrespected at, at sitting at um, what is it at eight still eight. or yeah so they're still at eight. I mean I, Michigan and Michigan State both have losses and I get that you know Michigan's loss was to Michigan State okay great but they both have losses they haven't won all their games and so I, I just think it's I think it's ridiculous that Oklahoma's ranked so low and I think that you know especially if they win all these three games now it's going to be tough. It's tough to go to Oklahoma State and win that game, especially when it's the last game of the season. It's an in-state rivalry. I get that. But the, the fact of the matter is, like, if Oklahoma wins out, they're going to make it into the playoffs. So if Ohio State wins out, which I think it's probably even easier for Ohio State to win out than, than it will be for Oklahoma, both of those teams are going to make the playoff because they're going to win their conference championship as well. And Cincinnati's not going to have that great of a, you know, that great of a resume compared to these teams who are beating up on top 25 teams, top 25 offenses. Um, and, and, and we're going to end up with a playoff, which is not going to be to anyone's likings, but it's going to be the best four teams in college football. That's what we're trying to achieve here. And really the only, the best judge that you can have of that is by winning all the games that you put on your schedule. Yeah. And if you go undefeated, it comes down, it's really going to come down to big 12 versus AAC. And where are we going to pick from, 10 times out of 10, the big 12. So, go. yeah. So, I mean, that, that's a good point. I, I just kind of wanted to see where you were at with that one, but yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you, you definitely convinced me about how that should happen and, or not should happen, but you know, if, if things go the way that we predict them, then that, that should happen. But yeah. And, and don't get me wrong. Like I want to see Oregon in the, in the, in the playoff. Like I think yeah. they have a great team. They have a solid, you know, their, their quarterback transfer from Boston college. Like he's been great. Mario Cristobal recruits like a, like a madman. I mean, this is guy, this guy's like sleeping over at his kickers recruits house. All right. So, I mean, you know, it, it, they're committed. They're great. I love it. But at the same time, you, you can't put them in if they've lost to Utah over, you know, Ohio state who wins two of their last three games against teams ranked, ranked inside the top 10. 
Alrighty. Well, you guys asked for it. Not really, but I asked for it. <laughs> and I am the only one that asked for it. Okay. I, I definitely <laughs> did not ask for it. Let's let's make that clear first off. <laughs> All right. So you guys, I've been flamed for I've I've shown a couple of my friends this. Obviously, I've mentioned it to Matt. It's on our Google Doc right now. And it is in fact a Christmas song bracket. Okay. Now many of you are probably listening to this and saying, why are you doing a Christmas song bracket instead of something with Thanksgiving? Now we have something planned for Thanksgiving in the coming weeks when it gets closer to Thanksgiving. And now I know it's a month and a half before Christmas, but my, my, my reasoning here is in particular, Christmas songs are just becoming kind of acceptable to listen to. Okay. November 1st is like the first day where you can start listening to Christmas music and people won't bash you for it. Right. And so we're going to ring in Christmas music while also ringing in college basketball, which started yesterday. And you know what college basketball reminds you of, of course, it has reminds you of brackets. And so I kind of wanted to ring the two in together by doing a Christmas song bracket. Okay. Hey, so I've you picked were just out a genius beyond, beyond <laughs> Dude, I can't, as I... you can, as you can tell, I put so much thought into this. So, okay. So I picked, the, I picked out the, the top 16 Christmas songs. I really just went down my Christmas song playlist. If you don't agree with me on the top 16, then I don't know what to tell you, but you can stop listening if you want. But anyway, I picked out the top 16 Christmas songs and I basically just randomized them. I put them in a random order because I didn't want to, I didn't want to make the, I didn't want to put like seeds and make it controversial like that. So when I say if, if we mentioned seeds at any point this this in this segment, there it's not really a seed. It's just kind of where they were in my randomized order. Okay. So like I said, top 16, we're gonna pick it down to the winning Christmas song, the best Christmas song that we think has been made in history. So oh yeah, and also the tiebreaker. So the way we're gonna do the way we're gonna pick is we're gonna go through each game and I'm going to pick a song and then Matt's going to pick a song for every game. And basically if we disagree on a song, so if I pick, I, if I pick one team or one song and then he picks the other song in that, in that game, then we're just going to flip a coin and then heads is going to be the higher seed. And then tails is going to be the lower seed, whichever song that is. And then that'll move on and we'll let you know. And then we'll come out with, the greatest Christmas song of all time. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> so getting right into it at the number one seed or, okay, actually, no, I'm not going to say seed. All right. So first game, we've got deck the halls and rocking around the Christmas tree. Now I'm just going to go out and say right away that rocking around the Christmas tree is definitely top four on this list. And so I'm, I'm really just going to go with rocking around the Christmas tree. I agree. Moving on. All right, sweet. Rock around the Christmas tree is moving on. Deck the halls. You're out. Here, let me. Okay. Now, the eight and nine seed. The next game we've got Last Christmas and Sleigh Ride. I think that's. I think that Sleigh Ride should should win here, Matt. What do you think? Um, I. I what does that even sound like? I don't remember. I don't know a lot of these by the name, but if I heard it, if, it's the one that it's the one that goes like. Sing. Uh, Use your voice on, here. Man. Come on, it's lovely weather for Okay, <laughs> okay, yeah, I got you. Let, yeah, that rolls. Let's go. All right, okay, all right. So that, wow, this is actually 
I thought we were going to disagree more than this. Okay, so third game, we've got it's the most wonderful time of the year and winter wonderland. Matt, I'll let you pick first. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I think that winter wonderland is it gives more of a Christmassy. I think there's a commonality between a lot of these songs and like there's some Christmas songs that I think give more of like a Christmas day feel. And then there's a lot of other songs that give more of like the season leading up to Christmas. And I like the season leading up to Christmas better personally. So it's the most wonderful time of the year. It gives me that feeling. So it's going to win. And so does Matt. So, okay. Next game, fourth game, we've got Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Jingle Bell Rock. Jingle Bell Rock off the bat wins for me. Yeah, I'm going to actually – I'm going to agree with you on that. I, I don't know. I don't know how we've gotten through all four of these and agreed on all of them. <laughs> Dude, I, I do like, I mean, of, of Christmas shows though, like the, like the classic ones, Rudolph is definitely, you know, the top one of there. Um, but just, yeah, but just, you know, radio song, just holiday songs. Jingle Bell Rock is, is, uh, is a good one. Yeah, for sure. And maybe that's why Rudolph Red Nose Reindeer isn't winning is because it has a show associated with it. And so we kind of value the show more. I don't know, but the next game we've got it's beginning to look a lot like christmas and a holly jolly christmas dude this one i was looking at this one before and i think this is the hardest matchup of round one i i think it is and i think that i think i'm gonna go with it's beginning to look a lot like christmas just because i think a holly jolly christmas can get a little annoying i don't want to say annoying because that sounds bad but i think I think it's beginning to look like, like Christmas. It, I don't know. It's, it's, it's also one of those songs where you play it kind of in this part of the season. You don't really play it on Christmas because why would that make any sense? But, you, but like this, this kind of gets you in the mood for Christmas. So that's why I like it. I agree. This is a barn burner. This is your 5-12 matchup in the Midwest, all right, between Oregon State, who's run through the Pac-12 championship and won their conference against – uh, UC Riverside, who won the SoCon, okay, uh, and I'm going to agree with you, man. I think it, I think I think a Holly Jolly. It's beginning to look like a lot. My Christmas is is just one of those classic songs that you just you, you know you vibe to. So yeah, let's go. Yeah, for sure. All right, so this one, this is the sixth game here, and it's all I want for Christmas is you. We've heard that so many that's probably honestly that that's probably like the the christmas song if we're talking if we're talking big bertha of christmas songs we're talking all i want for christmas is you because literally i can't get mariah's carrie's voice out of my head i was gonna say the same thing it's just like when i hear that song it's like mariah carrie singing me a lullaby going to sleep like i'm two years old my mom's singing to me yeah exactly and so it's going up against the Christmas song. Okay. So it's all I want for Christmas is you against the Christmas song. And a lot of you are probably wondering, well, what's the Christmas song? Cause we've all heard the, this is kind of like one of those, I, I forget what you'd call it when like you think something is one way for your whole life, but then that I, would be a misconception. Hayden. No, no dude. It's no, <laughs> dude. No, it's, it's, it's got like a certain name when I, I don't know. Forget it. Anyway, it's one of those things where like you you know the song. Like if, if I played it for you right now, which I might have to for Matt if he doesn't know how it goes, but if I played it right now, you would know what it what it sounds like, but you have no idea what the actual name of the song is. And 
that's this song. So I played it yesterday and I did, I actually did this comparison yesterday because I didn't want to come on here and drag it out for a long time, but the Christmas song is what I'm going to go with. So. Wait, really? I thought you just went on an entire tangent about all I want for Christmas is you. And now you're going to pick the Christmas song. Yeah. I'm, I'm, (laughs) I'm saying that Mariah, like it gets, that's another one that gets annoying. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, since I compared it to my mom singing to me as a lullaby, I'm going to, I'm going to pick that. So we're going to disagree there. All right. So we're going to go coin flip. The Christmas song is seated. Number six, all on for Christmas is, is you is seated. Number 11. So if it's tails, we'll go with Matt's pick all on for Christmas. And then if it's heads, we'll go with my pick and I'm going to be honest here. Okay. I'm flipping a coin on Google. Okay. And it's tails. So we're actually going to go wait with, Matt's pick, All Alone for Christmas is You. See? Yes, we are. All right. So there we go. It's moving on. I'm not, a, I mean, I'm, I am a fan of it, but I think, have you listened to the Christmas song, Matt? I'm just, I'm just I, I have no idea. But like I said, I don't care. Dude, I carry. <laughs> okay. All right. Fine. Yeah. Mm, no, that's fine. We'll move on. <laughs> all right. Got a little cough here, guys. Anyway, seventh, almost done with the first round, seventh song of the, I mean, seventh game of the first round. We've got Santa Claus is coming to town and let it snow. Let It Snow is one of my favorite Christmas songs of all time. Santa Claus is Coming to Town is really jolly, but I think Let It Snow is just so warm. I, like Matt said, or kind of like what Matt said for the last one, I feel like I'm sitting next to a fire and drinking hot chocolate with a couple of marshmallows on top. You know, they slide down my throat real nice, and, and so does the hot chocolate, and it's nice and makes my stomach nice and warm. So I'm going to go with Let It Snow. Okay, that is the weirdest description I've ever heard to describe a song. And as much as I hate agreeing with you on that one, I guess I will take Let It Snow. I, I do agree, though. It's, it's very it's very heartwarming. Um, but uh, but I definitely don't get the same feeling as you do. So we can, we can gloss over that, though. All right. Well, last game of the first round. We've got Frosty the Snowman against Silver Bells. And again, I think this is kind of the same deal with that we had with Rudolph and the Red Nosed Reindeer. I think that Frosty the Snowman, obviously a great song. All Christmas songs are great. But Silver Bells, I'm going to have to go with Silver Bells because it's, maybe I just like the kind of like slow, more drawn out songs, but I'm going to go with Silver Bells because Frosty the Snowman, again, the show Frosty the Snowman or like the actual production of the, the, the visual Frosty the Snowman is a great visual, but I'm going to have to go with, with Silver Bells on this one. I think Silver Bells is too slow. Um, I don't. I don't like it at that much. But Frosty the Snowman is 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 my thing. So I'm okay. Well, all right. So then Frosty the Snowman is the lower seed here. So we will flip the coin again, and the coin lands on tails of again. Of course it does. Dang, dude. Silver Bells. Was, oh my gosh. Silver Bells was my was my sleeper, dude. Even though they were the two seed <laughs> in this bracket, <laughs> they're they're my sleeper. But all right. Well. Moving on to the second round, we've got our first game. We've got Rocking Around the Christmas Tree and Sleigh Ride. This one's tough. And I think, I think I'm going to go with Rocking Around the Christmas Tree just because Sleigh Ride, I think Sleigh Ride is one of the weaker songs in, in the second round here. So I'm just going to go with Rocking Around the Christmas Tree. Yeah, this is tough, um, but... Uh... I don't think it's necessarily a weak, uh, weak song. I think it's a, it's, a, it's a pretty solid matchup. But, yeah, I just kind of get a lot of nostalgia with Rocking Around the Christmas Tree, so I'm going to choose that as well. There you go. Rocking Around the Christmas Tree, first team into the semifinals. 
Alrighty. Next, we've got It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year and Jingle Bell Rock. Dude, this one, this one, hmm, I don't know. I think, I think It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year. Again, it's, it's one of those songs that gets you in the spirit. Jingle Bell Rock might be one of those songs that you listen to on Christmas Day when you come down see all the presents around the tree and you start doing your little, little dance around the tree and everything. I think here I'm going to go with Jingle Bell Rock. I think Jingle Bell Rock just puts me, I know I said that I like the Christmas season better and I like songs that put me in the Christmas spirit better, but I think that Jingle Bell Rock is more versatile. And I think that the more versatile team comes out on top here. So um, I'm going to choose the other one. I think, I think, uh, I think it's the most wonderful time of the year. It's just a, it's just a classic. All righty. So again, here we've got Matt's pick is the lower seed. My pick is the higher seed. So if, if, if it lands on, there's no way it lands on tails again. Come on. Oh my God. Here we go. Let's do the math on that people. You got a little okay. 0.5 times 0.5 times 0.5. <laughs> Jeez. All right. So it's the most wonderful time of the year is moving on from that matchup. Next matchup. We've got, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. And all I want for Christmas is you. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna go against all I want for Christmas is you again. Like I said, it is, it is the staple song, and it's the song that you hear in like shopping malls all the time, and that kind of puts me off of the the bandwagon. In my, I don't know. That's 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 my argument against it. I know it, it was kind of confusing the argument I made last time, but yes, my argument against all I want for Christmas is you is that it's, I think it's too commercialized. Yeah, I mean, as much as I love Mariah Carey singing to me, to, singing me to, to sleep at night, um, I, I I will say that uh, it's being able to like Christmas is 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 moving on here. Sounds good. All right, so our last quarterfinal game, we've got Let It Snow and Frosty the Snowman. For this one, again, it's one of the coin tosses that I lost, so I'm gonna have to go with Let It Snow, and I I don't know. I would have to guess that Matt's gonna go with Let It Snow again, but yeah, yep. All right, we're Sounds good. Now we are moving on to the semifinals, the final four songs, okay? In the first game, first semifinal game, we've got Rocking Around the Christmas Tree, and it's the most wonderful time of the year. This is when it gets pretty tough. There was a couple tough matchups last round, but this this matchup, man, I don't know. I, I think I need some time to think, but it's the most wonderful time of the year. I think... Oh, geez. Rock around the Christmas tree. I think rocking around the Christmas tree. Again, it's, I, I think it's more of like a, I think it's more of like kind of like a slow song versus a, an upbeat song. And I think that's kind of what differentiates this matchup. And I think that for me, I think I'm going to go with it's the most wonderful time of the year. Yeah, me too. Okay, sweet. Wow, that's oh, wow. I didn't expect that, honestly. But wow, well, funny. Like I said, seeds don't mean don't mean anything here. But <coughs> that was the 16 seed that just got knocked out. So 16 seed applause for making it to the semifinals. But anyway, we've got next up in the semifinals. We've got it's belong. Be, whoa, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas and let it snow. I think here. I think I'm going to go with it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas because 
again, let it snow is my jam, but I think let it snow might just be a little too mellow. I don't know. I'm picking let it snow. All right. Well, again, let it snow is going to be tails in this coin flip because it's the lower seed. And let's see what the coin flip is. Tails, dude. Oh, my gosh. Yes, sir. Dude. All right. Matt's, Matt's rigging my computer right now. I've This is literally on Google. Like, there's it's not even, like, a biased coin flip. It's totally randomized. But since tails was the result, we're going to go with let it snow. All righty. Last championship game. All right. We've, it's come down to it all, okay? We're in Indianapolis. Actually, I'm in Charlottesville. Matt's in Richmond, but here we go. It's the most wonderful time of the year, and let it snow. I think based on my evaluation of the past rounds, I think we all know what I'm, what I'm going to go for, and that is it's the most wonderful time of the year. I'm going to concur. I think it oh. is. I, and, and I think it, you know, it's, it's really just one of those. It's just, I think it, it defines the season, right? It's the most wonderful. It's, it says it in the name. It's the, it's the most wonderful. It is the most wonderful time of the year. Um, and I think, yeah, it's, it's a little bit slower. It's a little bit more mellow, but it's just, it's one of those, like you see it and you just flat, it's just constant flashback. So yeah. And so I'm glad that we agreed on that. And, and I definitely, it deserves the dub. Yeah. I'm, I'm never complaining when, it's the most wonderful time of the year comes on. So that's for sure. But um, yeah, that kind of concludes our segment of, or our fun segment this week. We unfortunately, so I'm getting word from Matt right here. And I kind of, I I definitely agree. I think we're going to leave the NBA and NHL, the NBA and NHL talk for next week, just because we have been going on for, I think close to an hour at this point, if not an hour. And we really filled up today's episode with, with football talk, which I'm always happy about, you know me, but yeah, I mean, NBA and NHL, we can, we can save until a little bit later because we can, we can fit more stuff. We can fit more talk into one segment. And so like, not everything is urgent. I mean, right now NHL, the only thing that's really urgent is, is the Jack Eichel trade, which we can go over next week. So, and with NBA, our topics for today weren't, I mean, we could talk about those next week as well. So we will save those topics for next week and we will end with the best Christmas song ever being played. I don't, I'm not going to play it because of copyright reasons. I don't want to get copyrighted. And so, and I also went, I, I, I was going to try to play it as like an outro for this episode. Was, <coughs> dude, I'm, oh my gosh, I'm coughing. <coughs> I was going to try to play it as an outro, like the, the winning song, but then I kind of thought about it and I was like, wait a second, <laughs> I can't really do that for copyright reasons. And so, yeah, I'm not going to do that. It's going to be the regular outro. Brooklyn Knights guitar on GarageBand. Okay. I know you guys wanted that better or more than all I want for Christmas is you, but yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed the fun segments. I, I want to do the, a fun segment like every week from here on out. I don't know. I think I think I, it looks like it, it looked like Matt had fun, and hopefully you guys had fun listening to it. But 
yeah, do you have any closing remarks, Matt? Yeah, just wanted to uh, just 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 wanted to let you know it was a six point two five percent chance that all of the head the the coin tosses that you made would be tails, and that ended up working out. And so, yes, this truly was my bracket, uh, and I'm and I'm glad I'm glad to call it mine. Secondly. As we close out the episode, last week we had Colorado or we had Oregon State over Colorado. Okay. It didn't work out. Colorado showed up. They had offense. I don't know where it came from. Okay. But you're locking a week this week. We're getting back to basics. Okay. Oklahoma. We talked ad nauseum about Oklahoma today. Okay. They're going to Baylor. Baylor just lost to TCU. We didn't have their coach and their quarterback, and they still lost to TCU. They lost outright. They were like 18 point favorites. So here we go. We got Oklahoma. Laying six at Baylor, lay the points. Lay the points. Lay the points. Lay the points, mister. <laughs> All right. There's your little – I guess Matt's going to do that every episode from now on. He didn't even tell me he was going to keep on doing that, but he's not in his head that he's going to keep on doing it. So, if you guys if if you guys just want to listen to Matt's, Matt's you know, one minute of, of betting, sports betting glory at the end of each episode, so be it. Do it. Okay, I can I can I can see the podcast analytics and I can see the percentage of people that watched at basically every second of the video. So if I see a big spike of views at that at that point in the video, then I'll know that you guys are here for that. And then maybe we can do more sports betting talk. I don't know. I mean, you know, I've gotten a little bit into sports betting. I mean, I, I don't bet, but I kind of I help my friend bet basically. <laughs> so yeah, that's gonna conclude our episode today. I hope you guys had a lot of fun and I hope you guys have a great rest of the week. Please watch the games this weekend because yes, we're going to talk about it again next weekend and you best believe that we're going to spend so much time on it again next weekend, but watch the game, this, the games this weekend, because this, this week is definitely the most decisive week of the, of the season so far as it should be, as we're nearing the end of the season. And I'm talking about college football here, not really NFL, but yeah, so make sure to watch the games this season and make sure to go not bet on, on Oklahoma because you guys saw what it did to you last week. So, uh, so yeah. Thank you guys for listening to this episode and we will catch you guys next time. Peace.